0: It's Curious City, where we take
3: your questions
0: about
1: Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore, from WBEZ. Hey, I'm WBEZ producer Miles Bryan, and I just want to give you a quick warning that our story today contains some adult content, specifically a reference to a sex club. Okay, let's start with something about me. I love living in Chicago, but I'm not from here. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where there are a lot of ethnic Scandinavians. And something Scandinavians really love to do is sit and sweat in the sauna. So I consider myself a bit of a sauna connoisseur. I even wrote an ode to the sauna for a college writing course. We're in danger of losing the war to exposure. But Finnish troops had one resource that the Nazis did not. They had the sauna. The civilian inhabitants of So I got really excited when I heard this curious city question from Anna Erickson, who lives in Pilsen.
2: There's an old public bathhouse in my neighborhood. What happened to the other bathhouses?
1: That one particular bathhouse piqued her interest. But Anna says she's also curious about what other kinds of bathhouses might exist in the city. And by my reckoning, Chicago has had roughly three different kinds of bathhouses throughout its history. Some have closed and some are still open. The only thing that really connects these different types of bathhouses is the word bathhouse. They've served purposes ranging from sanitation to sex to just sweating. We'll visit one of each. To start my reporting, I met Anna in front of that old bathhouse in Pilsen. It sits right in the middle of a residential block, but has these imposing Roman columns. It's an old brick facade. It says Chicago Public Bath. It's closed now, but it was once a city-operated bathhouse. It opened over 100 years ago. Marine Flanagan, historian emeritus at the Illinois Institute of Technology, came with us to see the bathhouse. Flanagan has studied the history of public bathhouses in Chicago.
2: We're looking at one of Chicago's free public bathhouses. It's the Simon Baruch bathhouse that was built in 1910.
1: The city of Chicago began building these public bathhouses in poor neighborhoods in the 1890s because of a campaign waged by a group of middle-class women.
2: Because in a lot of the poor neighborhoods, they didn't have indoor plumbing. And so they didn't have any bathing facilities. Do
1: you know if they would be broken up between genders? Would it be all families together?
2: No, they would have a woman's day and a men's day, you know, a male and a female. It was not a luxurious experience. You went in, you got a changing room, you had these what they called shower baths so that you had your own stall and you waited in line. I've seen pictures of, of you know, people lined up on benches waiting for their turn. You got in, you got your soap, you got your towel, you took your shower bath and then you were out. There was just a beginning of the sense of understanding the, the germ theory of disease and also because you were getting uh, indoor plumbing in the middle class areas and the wealthy areas, there was now more sense that the city should provide for everyone to have that and if they weren't going to have indoor plumbing, you had to provide these bathhouses for people.
1: At one point, the city of Chicago had 21 public bathhouses. But attendance declined after 1910, as more people got indoor plumbing. The last public bathhouse served poor people in an area that was known as Chicago Skid Row, now called the West Loop. It closed in 1979. But by that time, a different kind of bathhouse had become central to Chicago's gay male community. In 1961, the state of Illinois became the first in the country to repeal anti-sodomy laws. Gay men had already been frequenting bathhouses for years, but this change allowed openly gay bathhouses to set up shop for the first time. In 1973, Man's Country opened on the city's north side. It's now Chicago's longest-running gay bathhouse. Our questioner, Anna couldn't come along with me for this one.
3: This area is fetish area, so all of these rooms... These rooms all right, are we got some chains, ch-
1: shackles. Shackles. That's Ron Emett, mm-hmm. who now owns Man's Country.
3: Some of them have, the like a St. Andrew's cross.
1: The bathhouse was started by Eamon's longtime partner, Chicago gay pioneer Chuck Renslow, who passed away in June at the age of 87. Man's country is still open, but it's not like it used to be. Eamon says it will likely close in the next few months. He likes to remember what it was like in its heyday in the 70s and early 80s. At its base, it's a sex
3: club. It provides a place where you could meet other men and and that were also looking for sex with other men. But it was so much more than that. The, The bathhouses and the bars, they were the only social institutions that we had at that time.
1: This wasn't a time when being openly gay was particularly easy, right?
3: Right. So it provided a place for people to meet and it was much more of a social club than just a sex club. So the second floor, is uh, the pit was the downstairs bar, so oh. when it got... We occupy two large buildings on three floors. So in this building, we have probably 35 rooms. Oh, wow. Some rooms with uh, accoutrement. So this is what's left of the wet area. Yeah, so this is the
1: bathhouse of the bathhouse. Well,
3: this is where the original Whirlpool was. We always said it was a 15-man Whirlpool. I've seen it with like 25 people crammed into it. But this area is where we would serve continental breakfasts in the morning, um, buffets on certain nights of the week. It's huge. You know, back then, we did entertainment four nights a week. And a lot of acts that were trying to break into the legit houses downtown would come here and play so that they would get reviewed. And we'd get the Tribune and the Sun-Times would come
1: here to see an act and review it. Eamon says the decline for Man's Country and for gay bathhouses in general came when HIV-AIDS hit in the mid-'80s. After that, business dropped to about 20% from what it used to be. And Man's Country's clientele changed. It became less of a social space. It changed.
3: People that were coming in were only coming in for sex. They weren't coming for a party. They weren't dancing. They weren't, you know, the people that were coming just to socialize tended not to come anymore.
1: Also, just like with public bathhouses, the need for gay bathhouses diminished. In the 20s and 30s, as indoor plumbing became more available, people didn't have to go somewhere special to get clean. In the 80s and 90s, when more people began to feel like they could be openly gay in public without fear of repercussion, they didn't necessarily have to hang out at the bathhouse anymore. But although gay bathhouses are far less popular than they used to be, and public bathhouses are all closed, there's another kind of bathhouse in Chicago where business is booming. I'm talking about the city's Russian and Korean-style bathhouses that focus on relaxation. You may have seen the old North Avenue Baths building in the Wicker Park neighborhood. That was built in 1921. Back then, they drew mostly Russian and Eastern European immigrants. But some Russian and Korean bathhouses are still open. And these days, they're popular with all sorts of people, from immigrants to politicians, to people like me who just find it relaxing. I visited Red Square Spa, a Russian bathhouse on Damon and Division that's operated in different forms since 1906. Step inside the narrow three-story building and you're in a traditional Russian-style restaurant. It's got dark wood paneling and projections of a train trip playing on the walls. Look left and there are two staircases going down, one into the women's side and one into the men's. Each leads to a maze of changing rooms, showers, a wet sauna, steam room and hot tub.
0: And this side, this is the co-ed section.
1: The one area men and women share at Red Square is the dry sauna. That's the only part of the facility you have to wear clothes. Co-owner Alex Leifman took me down.
0: So the dry sauna obviously is going to have higher temperature. Uh, You want to try to get in here? Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. So that's how 205 degrees feels, right?
1: (laughs) From here, I stripped down to a Speedo, a standard outfit for this bathhouse. And Leuchman led me through the men's only section, through a cedar-lined hallway with rock tile floors.
0: Well, here, here is, this is a combination of centralized room. you got the hot tub, the cold plunge pool, you got the showers, the steam area, and then the main room, which
1: is the sauna. It's a dark space with wooden bleacher-style benches and buckets of water.
0: Traditionally, what it is, it's, uh, you know, molten rocks with water evaporating, causing a steam, and um, it relaxes you.
1: This is like a Chicago summer on steroids.
0: Exactly, on steroids. And as you, get high, as you get higher on the benches, the heat will rise.
1: So what kind of folks come in here? Who, who are your customers?
0: I want to say maybe between 30 40% are Eastern European. A lot of, a lot of young people in the neighborhood Uh, you know, politicians, we got, um, you know, people, celebrities, uh, you -hmm. know, Jesse Jackson's here and uh, from time to time, it's kind of like uh, a democratic experience where all people, all walks of life, uh, you know, so everybody's talking and, uh, you know, this guy could be a doctor, a lawyer, this guy's a plumber and everybody's communicating it. It's really uh, brings uh, a different type of communication that we ordinarily used to, you know, they're naked in front of you. So, (laughs)
1: After getting really hot in the sauna, I did something that, to the uninitiated, probably sounds crazy, but it's the part I really enjoy. I jumped in the freezing cold pool. It's good. I feel refreshed. Better than coffee in the morning. Now, I shared everything I learned with our question asker, Anna, and she says she got the answer she was hoping for. But Anna was a little annoyed with me.
2: Miles, I think that's a little bit rude that you didn't bring me on that exciting um, aspect, that the Russian one, and I just had to go look at an old building.
1: Anna says she does now plan to spend some time relaxing at Red Square, and she promises to report back about her experience.
2: Hey, let's try something you might be able to use this Um, go ahead and say reporting this week came from me Miles Bryan
1: reporting this week came from me Miles Bryan support came from the Conant Family Foundation
2: any special thanks for this one
1: big thanks to questioner Anna, Man's Country co-owner Ron Eman and Alex and everybody else at Red Square Sauna and Restaurant it's 11.30am we've just finished in the sauna and I think this is the most relaxed I've ever rolled into the WBEZ offices
0: Next time on Curious City, in the 60s and 70s, the Lakeview neighborhood was home to more than 150 Japanese-owned businesses. Today, not so much. Why? Chicago has so many ethnic enclaves. What happened to that Japanese community? The answer goes beyond gentrification and social mobility. They wanted to assimilate so badly, and they probably lost a little bit of history doing that. The rise and fall of Chicago's Japanese neighborhood. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.